for me, I had to step back and take a break. I took like a half year uh, break from grad school. And it was during that period where I was just like, my head was mush. I'm just gonna paint what I want. I'm painting what I want. And that, that's all I'm doing. And at the time, I was already doing a lot of florals. You know, that's, that's a common starting point. And um, I was doing some prints because, you know, my background being in fashion design. And then I started having, um, well, it didn't start then. I was doing a lot of commissions, but I also enjoyed painting a lot of family pictures. And I started asking myself questions. It started with why. Why do you, why are you so into this? What do you notice that is in common between these figures that you're interested in painting? And I'll tell you another thing that really helped was having all of that work up in the same space, because then you can really see, okay, what's the connection here? So with the florals, with the figure paintings, and then some of the prints I was doing, all being up in the same space and me asking myself these questions. And my head was like in a tizzy. I even had a conversation with uh, one of my counselors. He was like, which way are you going? Are you doing fine art or are you trying to do commercial? Like, what do you want to do, <laughs> what do, you want to do with your life? And um, eventually me just kind of sitting with those questions, I noticed that the work started cross-pollinating. And I would have some florals on my figurative pieces. I'd have some figurative um, images, kind of, you know, kind of showing up in some of my still life pieces. And so I just let it happen. And I would experiment a little bit. Well, what would happen if I put this here? And you have to be okay with some things just being a dud. Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. Welcome to Creative Habits Podcast, a platform dedicated to exploring the artistic process of various artists from different creative fields. Each Thursday, we invite seasoned professionals to share their insights and experiences with our listeners. On today's episode, we are honored to have figurative artist Ayana Ross as our special guest. With her unique blending of traditional techniques and contemporary style, Ayana has earned recognition in the art world for her compelling portrayals of the human figure. We're th thrilled to delve into art practice and gain a deeper understanding of the creative habits, habits that inform her work. Welcome to the show, Ayana. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So how did you get started in just being a creative? Where did your journey begin? Um, I've always been an artist of sorts. You know, I think um, I would not have called myself that early on, but looking back at my childhood and I, I this is as far back as I can remember, I was drawing people in a little uh, three ring binder with lined paper 
And um, I was very interested in drawing people. And at, at the time, you know, as I got a little bit older, I thought I was more interested in fashion design and drawing clothes, clothing on people. I would use the uh, the old Sears and JCPenney catalogs that would come in the mail as uh, references <laughs> to learn how to draw the human figure. So my figures were always very stiff and straight. Um, so yeah, that's always been a part of me. It's just that over the journey of my life, I've watched that transition into different stages and phases and it's been really exciting. That's very fascinating. And um, so how did you go from the interest of fashion design or drawing these figures into then transitioning and becoming a painter? Um, so I followed the, my curiosity in fashion design. I worked, um, I studied fashion design as an undergrad and I worked in New York for a very brief period of time um, up until 9-11. After 9-11, it kind of shifted my thinking. Like I remember sitting in my cubicle and working on some print designs and I'm like, I don't know. I, I just, it didn't seem as important to me anymore with people dying. Um, and so I had, I had my own little existential crisis. And afterwards um, I left New York and went back or came back to Georgia, which is where I'm originally from. Um, I couldn't get a job for a while, so I eventually, uh, after doing a couple short-term jobs, I made my way into teaching and decided to pursue a path of art education and became an art teacher so that that way I could be as close as possible to my passion um, while also helping people and doing something and engaging with others because people at that time just became more important to me. I don't know. Um, and over the years, being an art teacher, I began to kind of, again, explore that curiosity and uh, find ways to sharpen my tools and um, expose myself to more. And I became my own art teacher. Um, I really only had art as a child in high school. So, um, and then from there, uh, you know, I did, I dabbled in a lot of different art media. I did some jewelry making, I did some sculpting, I did, um, you know, I worked with watercolors, I did a lot of different things until I realized the one thing that I always come back to or always came back to and was always of interest was painting, oil painting in particular. Um, I also had a number of personal experiences um, transitioning from a divorce um, to being a single mom that really created a need for me to paint, to kind of have that um, personal therapy, you know? <laughs> so I began to paint to save my mind is what I call it. And through that, um, I began to find my subject in painting. And, and you know, it, it goes on from there. So that's that's how that transition happened over the course of, I don't know, several years <laughs> and I couldn't have planned it so you know so painting to save your mind what a wonderful like just statement and I can really resonate with what you shared about being an educator I'm currently an arts educator now but over mm -hmm. the course of my um 
exploration as an artist and what I want to do. And, you know, I need a plan B. I've always gone back to art education, but not really feeling like that that's my space, but that's how I'm making, <laughs> making a means or a living, you right. know? So um, I, I'm pretty grateful that you shared that um, <laughs> about Listen, your Listen, I would always, I would even be very candid with administrators and students. Like my relationship with art teaching was <laughs> about my relationship with art. It was between me and art. And anyone that got caught up in the crossfire being the students, that was to their benefit. You know, it worked out. So everybody was happy, but I was like, my relationship was with the arts. I get it. That's wonderful. And I, I don't even vocalize it, but people know that art for me comes first, but that's also how I share my mission in life and my mm -hmm. love of art with, you know, children. So um, I wanted to ask you this next question. How did art education um, inspire your journey as an artist or what kind of things did you learn um, during that journey or during that season where you weren't really, you know, in it for education, but wanted to... Right make it a, a means or a source of income? I'll tell you, one of the first things I learned being an art teacher was um, as I was teaching students about all of these different artists throughout histories, because I would, in my lessons, I would always try to pull a historical figure and a contemporary figure. So as I was doing that, and I'm like combing through their lives, I'm thinking, this person sounds a lot like me. Like that journey <laughs> sounds a lot like me. And um, I know, and even, I know it's because of my hair in part, but even when on a particular lesson, I was talking about Faye Ringle and I'm telling them about her story and um, the students are like, that sounds like you. <laughs> and in, in my head, I'm like, I know it's because of my hair, but yeah, it actually, <laughs> it actually kind of does. So I think that um, that was one of the biz biz biggest lessons that uh, teaching gave me is that it helped me to find my tribe because up until then, I just thought I was odd. I just thought, you know, I this I, as a child, I was very um, not isolated, but I had that tendency to be in a place of isolation for mm -hmm. various reasons, which typically fosters, you know, a lot of creative people. Mm -hmm. um, growing up, just my interests were in alignment. So not to be the dead horse, but yeah, that was the biggest lesson it, it taught me. The other thing it taught me was that, was that there are so many ways to be an artist. There are so many paths you could take, and there are so many means of expressing yourself artistically and it's one thing to say oh I'm going to be an artist which I didn't have the luxury or liberty of saying that when I was younger but even after making that declaration then the question becomes okay well what kind of art are you going to make mm -hmm. you know like redefine that and refine that even more so seeing other artists kind of going on their journey where it becomes a path that comes a little bit more and more narrow to where they're going. It helped me to give myself a little bit more grace in my journey um, to say, okay, I'm on, I'm on course here as I'm dabbling in all of these mm -hmm. different things. That's, that's on course. And then once I started to um, kind of fine tune where I wanted to go and then choosing to be more intentional and, um, 
develop some degree of mastery in a particular area. All of that just, it, it was on track with, with what I had um, been able to learn and, and teach my students. So it was very reassuring. I love that. And I still have my security blanket all on because I'm, uh -huh. I'm in the phase where I'm like, I still don't know what, what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And I, I make the work, you know, I'm familiar with art history, but it's just that security of being like, I can do this. I'm confident in it. So yeah. at what point did you end up removing that fear, if you had the fear or that urge or confidence to be like, you know what, I can actually do this. So I definitely had the fear. <laughs> Sometimes I still have the fear. <laughs> um, there, I would have to credit a a lot of people in my life for being so supportive and so confident about my ability. Um, so I mentioned, you know, at the time I was a single mom, I had, I have four children mm -hmm. and um, they were always like, mom, you need to do this. You need to do that. One story I always share that's just really just paints the picture of the level of support they gave. Um, I've always had them involved in sports and different activities. And so we were, uh, they were involved in track and field. And I think two of them had made it to state level competition. So we were in Augusta um, for the, the state competition, staying in a hotel, stayed there for a couple of nights, they competed and we're checking out of the hotel. Now I got all these bags and four little people standing around me and we're on the elevator going down from the lobby that we just checked out to the, the parking garage. And while we're on the elevator, the doors start to close and my middle child says, I'll be right back. And she takes off. She's probably eight or nine around this time. And she takes off and goes back to the front desk. So I'm like, oh my goodness, this child yeah. is mine. So I'm like grabbing everything. Come on guys, let's go find your sister. She's at the front desk as I'm approaching. She's in the middle of an elevator pitch. So this is my mom, she's an artist, and we've seen the art you have in the hotel. We think that her work would be great here. Like this, wow. this is what she's telling the wow. person <laughs> at the counter. Um, and so I, those types of experiences, when I did not feel like I was good enough or that the work was good enough, that was happening. My now husband at the time we were dating, he would come to visit and he'd take photos of the mm. work because at the time I was not putting it out there. I wasn't really selling it. He would take photos of the paintings that were covering the dining room and he'd go back to his office and sell them <laughs> to people in his office. My mother constantly had people asking me for commissions. My aunt would was my first major collector. So it was a community mm. that really spoke to me and said, listen, you may not believe enough in what you're doing to put it out there, but we believe in you. And then of course, afterwards, it's like, you like, okay, well, like my, my fear was, I didn't want to be that person like going on, but America's, what's the voice shows? Oh yes, um, America's, uh, whatever the one with Simon Cowell and- Yeah, yeah, whatever, <laughs> you know, people go in there and they start singing. Oh, America's you know, like, Got oh, Talent. Gosh. Why didn't somebody tell them? <laughs> yes. I never wanted to be that person. But with all of that support, it's like, okay, let's get the work out there. And once I did, I started receiving, um, you know, the support 
from others mm-hmm. in the community and then eventually, you know, people that I admire started saying positive things about my work. And it's like, okay, well, listen, even if I don't, if, if I question it, that's not really for me to do anymore. I just do the work now. Now it's just do the work, turn your brain off. Um, it's not up to me to decide. It's just put it out there. So um, it's it's kind of like, I don't operate in the space of thinking about how good it is anymore. Mm-hmm. Because if I did that, I would probably have analysis paralysis and just like not do anything. I just do the work. And that is that is the greatest blessing to just do, do the work. Just do, just put it out there. Like, you know, how someone else feels about it. It's not really my business. Just, just do it. But um, yeah, a lot of support, a lot of um people in my life who believed in me even before uh, or when I wasn't strong enough to do so. That's wonderful. So when you returned to Georgia, um and you started grad school at Savannah College of Art and Design. How did that, yeah, so eventually at that point, how did that enhance your understanding of what you're doing now or what kind of things did you receive from having that experience? Um, so first I wanna say that the decision to be an artist and the decision to believe in myself had to come first. Okay. I decided to go to grad school because it was something I always wanted to do um, and to really submit, you know, <laughs> like my journey. Mm-hmm. So in uh, being a student at Savannah College of Art and Design, it gave me a, a lot of things. It really helped me to understand the landscape of the art world and where I want to kind of get in with that. Um, It helped me to build a number of connections Mm -hmm. and again, kind of personally connect with other artists that were on their own journey. Relationships are huge in the art world and for me, you know, so that was a big part of it, having that support. I have to say Savannah College of Art Design has been extremely supportive of, of my journey. So that has been very validating and very, you know, rewarding. And um, really, Yes, and congratulations on the the Bennett Award because that's a huge award in the in the art industry. That's wonderful. Um, so I um, took the journey of getting my degree in arts and went to grad school, but I felt like at a time where I didn't quite know what I wanted to do yet. <laughs> so um, you know, it, I still learned and a, a significant amount of information. I was able to network and get a lot of um, support in that aspect. But I did feel, um, you know, I was just like, I don't know, you know, I can do all this stuff, but I didn't feel like I had a voice yet. So 
just in terms of um, you having all the experiences that you've had through education, um, through teaching, as well as just exploring what kind of things you yourself wanted to do, how did you end up finding um, your voice or what kind of story you wanted to tell? Um, I, okay, I, I think that one thing I, I often say to people who have just graduated or are in grad school and they're like, oh, I still don't know what I want to do. You won't know. Grad school <laughs> messes your head up. It like, really does. Um, for me, I had to step back and take a break. I took like a half year uh, break from grad school. And it was during that period where I was just like, my head was mush. Mm. I'm just going to paint what I want. I'm painting what I want. And that that's all I'm doing. And at the time, I was already doing a lot of florals. You know, that's, that's a common starting point. And um, I was doing some prints because, you know, my background being in fashion design. Mm -hmm. And then I started having, um, well, it didn't start then. I was doing a lot of commissions, but I also enjoyed painting a lot of family pictures. And I started asking myself questions. It started with why. Why do you, why are you so into this? What do you notice that is in common between these figures that you're interested in painting? And I'll tell you another thing that really helped was having all of that work up in the same space, mm. because then you can really see, okay, what's the connection here? So with the florals, with the figure paintings, and then some of the prints I was doing, all being up in the same space and me asking myself these questions. And my head was like in a tizzy. I even had a conversation with uh, one of my counselors. He was like, which way are you going? Are you doing fine art? Or are you trying to do commercial? Like, what do you want to, <laughs> what do, you want to do with your life? And um, eventually me just kind of sitting with those questions, I noticed that the work started cross-pollinating mm -hmm. and I would have some florals on my figurative pieces. I'd have some figurative um, images, kind, you know, kind of showing up in some of my still life pieces. And so I just let it happen. Right.
so yeah, you know, it's the journey. And I love what you shared about the why, like knowing the why, like, why am I doing this? But also your idea that you're always, you know, growing and learning because success is never ending, you know, like you can complete an, um, an idea or a concept and be done with it, but you're still always growing and learning. Um, so that's refreshing to know. That's the reason I wanted to do art to begin Mm -hmm. with. I decided to be a painter because I decided it's the, it's the one thing I want to spend the rest of my life getting better at. So, you know, it's, that's the that's the goal is to just get yeah. better. And really, if you take away everything, like, you know, just having the degree or all of this stuff, art is a form of expression. And it's different from being, you know, maybe a scientist or a doctor where you just become that thing and you're finished, you know, you make a living. But art, you know, when you take away the career aspect of it, it is something that is therapeutic, something that with, with artists that I've spoken with and myself, it's like something we have to do, you know, to get yeah. over something, to get through yeah. something and just feel like we are who we are through yeah, I agree. making I agree. work. And, so. But, you know, there are also, there are those, that level of passion can exist in anything. So like yeah. there are those scientists and doctors true. who are That's that true. Way. That's true. But, um, but yeah, the, to, to start lead with passion, mm-hmm. you know, and have, be fortunate enough to be able to live through your passion is a good mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, the passion aspect, yes. <laughs> so um, with your subject matter, um, how do you end up figuring out like what do you want to say or what you're creating at the moment? Can you take us through a journey of your process of art making? Um, well, I keep multiple journals mm-hmm. and so I'm always writing things down or just in observing something in life. It's, it's really, it boils down to constantly following your curiosity. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's an interesting, um, situation, you know, whether it's a situation I read about in the news or something I observe. Right. Um, that is a beautiful theme. I, although that doesn't typically trigger a, a painting, but it's some, something to take note of that maybe I'll use later. Um, if I come across someone, I may ask them if I could take a picture of them. The pose may not be something I use anytime soon, but it's in my arsenal. Yeah. Um, or just building relationships with people so I can call on them later to take pictures. But it starts oftentimes with just like little prompts. And then mm-hmm. I like to observe connections in our world, like how the micro and the macro kind of collide. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where a lot of the writing comes in. And then I look for some narratives or things that have been pretty consistent in what I've seen lately. And then um, from there, I start to develop um, images, uh, sketches. So I start, and and it's been a journey to get to this place. So I'm not saying that I've always done it this way, but here right. in the past several months, almost a year, this is kind of how I've done it. I start with just some loose sketches of what I think I want to paint and what I, what I have in my mind. And then from there, um, I'll try to find some um, people 
to pose for me, or uh, I might even look for images that I already have and put to, put it together. Now, when I start uh, painting, I start with, I do at least two or three sketches before I begin. I might do a little mock-up first, um, whether it's digital or just a smaller version of a painting, a study. And then by the time I get to the, the actual larger painting, I still don't know 100% of what's going to go on there because I have to leave room for it to tell me what it needs to be. Right. I start with just knowing what in general I want it to say and what figures I want and how I want them positioned. And then we build from there. So um, yeah, that's my process. I'm actually at the beginning of a new series now. So okay. that's that part of it is kind of fresh on my mind. So yeah. That's wonderful. And I'm noticing that there's been a common thread from the beginning of your journey as an artist to now, which is sketching and figures. Um, you mentioned the right. aspect of fashion design and like, you know, being fascinated with drawing what was in the magazine. Like it's always been there, whether or not you realized right. it. <laughs> and, you know, I here we are now where you're like, I don't know, but it's like literally <laughs> you've been doing things well, like small little. Mm -hmm. I think that's what happens with all of us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I really do. I mean, it may take a while, but it's like the big aha is, oh, obviously I've been doing that <laughs> this whole time. Right, right. Yeah. So just being aware of it, I guess. And that's like for our listeners who are trying to still figure it out for myself, it's like we we have, you know, we have something there. We just have to figure out what that is and just keep going, you know, and we may not figure out exactly what that thing is, but, you know, just continuing, making the work, figuring out the whys and um, yeah. <laughs> and I think saying figure it out puts too much pressure on you. Mm. I would say let it reveal itself. Let it reveal itself. That's wonderful. That's too much pressure. Like <laughs> I got Oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? And you know, but, and that's exactly when you say it like that, it's true because that's exactly what's going on in my mind. Like, and maybe if I just be quiet and let it come, just let it, let it reveal itself <laughs> it'll all be the time. fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, while we're talking more about you know your artistic side and your process, what kind of other things do you enjoy that inspire you as a creative? <laughs> Um, other things I enjoy, I enjoy, um, hmm. okay, so I work all the time, <laughs> um, so I have, it's hard for me to kind of peel away, but I will say I enjoy reading, mostly audiobooks at this point, because mm -hmm. I usually listen when I'm, while I'm painting, I really enjoy that, and, and so that is extremely helpful and a big part of my practice, because Oftentimes what I'll do is I will, um, when I'm painting on a particular subject, I like mm -hmm. to listen to books that might Ooh. speak to that subject or, um, so it can be a little bit more informed when I'm kind of putting these stories together. Um, so that's something I enjoy doing. I enjoy seeing my kids succeed and do well. And that plays a part because I think it speaks to that whole, um, that intergenerational 
um, right. component. And oftentimes by hanging out with them, I get to come across other young people who I could ask if they can pose for me. <laughs> or, um, you know, just, and it also helps me stay current, like what's going on in the world. Um, I enjoy traveling. Um, and, and that's something art has given me is the ability to haven't gone as far, nearly as far as I'd like, but I've gone to a number of places that I have not been before. And it helps for me to see the world or aspects of the world, mostly the U.S., though, in ways that I had not seen before or mm. I had not considered. And that helps to inform um, the work that I'm doing. Um and also, it helps both in reading and going places, seeing more of the commonalities between people that we kind of take for granted. Like, mm -hmm. you know, um, so there's that. So, yeah, those are those are some of the things that I can think of right now that I enjoy. <laughs> That's wonderful. We only have about five minutes left um, to share um, and to learn from you. So I wanted to know a few of the artists that you have felt have inspired you as a creative. Oh my goodness. Uh, so this is always such a hard question because I know of some, but really there's like a world of artists yeah. who are such an inspiration. A lot of you know, young artists that are doing things that I, and I'm horrible with names that I might not even remember the names of, but just know that there are, there are a ton out there. In my personal journey, um, I really admire and have always over the years looked up to the work of um, artists such as, and this is John Singer Sargent, this is one, I'm saying it because someone told me they were surprised to hear that. Mm -hmm. And the only reason, the main reason is because not just the um, the figurative paintings, but the way that he would depict these images in such opulence. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I wanted to see my people depicted that way. Yeah. And not just in, you know, labor situations or situations of um, oppression. Yeah. But to really just show um, an uplifted, victorious figure, you know? So that's one. Um, I'm a huge fan of Bo Bartlett's work. He's also a, a, originally from Georgia. Um, and because of the way that he depicts his figures in um, just an everyday setting, and there's it's just so, it's just the power in the moment and, the, of his scenes. Um, I lean a lot, especially on my previous work. Um, Henry Tanner is another favorite of mine um, because of, he did a lot of biblical narratives. His journey, I admire, and his use of light. And um, this is ambition. He's probably, if I would say, one of the top to that I've always throughout my life have always um, looked up to. Um, then of course we have, you know, um, Hende Wiley, mm -hmm. Amy Sherald, we have a host of artists that are up and coming and are on the scene even now that right. are noteworthy that I'm just not, 
organized enough in my thinking to name. So, <laughs> but there are there are so many incredible, incredible artists out there that are doing great things. And um, you know, I, I just hope that one day I'm considered among them. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's the thing. Absolutely. And um I actually absolutely love your work, especially how you use color and just center the subject in a way that is really profound and uplifting. I, I do see that in your work. Um, so very, very wonderful. And um, do you have any music playing um, while you're working or is it just the, the audio books? It's mostly the books. Yeah. <laughs> I, I you know, it. when I get uh, a little bit uh, low on energy and I need a little pick me up, I'll sometimes oscillate between the books and music. Mm -hmm. Mostly Beyonce. Um, yeah, but, yeah I, I listen to I listen to some music um, from time to time, but it's usually the books because the mm -hmm. stories, the long stories, they kind of keep me going because mm -hmm. it's kind of like my mind is able to just be present and not. I don't know. It does something for me. Yeah, no, I understand that. I can't make work without silence in a small space. Mm -hmm. So very weird, but I just I can't have anything nothing in order to make fun. Now, when I'm starting something, I can't have anything. When mm. I'm just just getting started and I need to make sure I have this color or this whatever correct, right. then, then it's silent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I get into the flow though, yeah. Wonderful. Yes. So Ayana, Miss Ayana, thank you so much for um, being a part of this episode. Uh, we've learned so much from you and we are watching all the amazing work that you're doing. And I'm saying we because it's my partner and I do the podcast together, but um, we're so grateful that you came on the show and um, we would love for our listeners to look at your work and see your journey along the way. If you have any social media, can you please share it with us? Yeah, uh, so I'm on Instagram and Facebook. It's Ross, R-A-Y-A-N-A-R-O-S-S-N-R-T. And then my website is ayanaross.com. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>